It's now day uh, 105, maybe, since things began shutting down and people were sent home. But now, slowly, all over the world, things seem to be returning to normal, if we can call it normal. Although there are still hundreds of thousands of COVID-19 cases worldwide, this is a time that we can refer to as the COVID crisis or the coronavirus pandemic or the time of quarantine. There are many names for it, but the name I prefer to call it is the COVID spring. I think that you've heard me call it that already. This time is not just the COVID spring because it took place during the spring. We could have called it the COVID Lent or the COVID Easter, but spring has so many connotations, new life, new beginnings and rebirth. It also has the connotation that spring always comes after the winter. There has to be a death before the new life can begin. The grain of wheat has to die in order to bear fruit. But if you remember the Arab spring of a few years ago, Spring also denotes movement, something happening, something quickening, and also a sense that fear will not paralyze us, nor have the last word in this conversation. These last months of COVID spring have taught us many things about solitude and contemplation, about trust and grace, about listening and being with. Let's hold on to that. Let's remember that so that when we go back to normal, we won't go back to what it used to be, but we go back to being better, to being a people of spring. No matter what the season is, let's always be a people of spring. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to another all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, um, once again, recording from home. And I'm wondering how you guys are doing. I seem to be asking this question all the time. And, and thank you for the people who've been writing in, telling me a little bit about your experiences. Uh, reminder that uh, I'm asking all of you to send me your COVID spring stories. Write to me. Pedro at saltandlighttv.org, or you can find me through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. Uh, we'd love to dedicate a program to your stories during this time. What has your COVID spring experience been like? So email me, Pedro at saltandlighttv.org. And uh, in the fall, we will probably begin the season with a special, a COVID spring Salt and Light Hour special with your stories. Today, we go back to our usual... Uh, uh, Salt and Light Hour format. Noel Okol will be joining us, uh, and he has some interesting news, some good news stories, and some uh, very interesting news stories. So that's going to be in about uh, three or four minutes after the song. And then after that, we're going to be joined by Sister Marie Paul Curley, who will be back on the program to give us the windows to the soul to a movie that deals with a topic that everyone is talking about, racism. And also, uh, this movie deals with the death penalty. So uh, I haven't heard of this film yet. I haven't seen it, but it's a fascinating uh, film. Uh, and it's a conversation that I think you all want to listen in uh, to hear Sister Marie Paul's film suggestion for this, uh, for this month. That's going to be in about 10 minutes. And then Billy is going to be back. Billy has another question about indulgences. Indulgences are a big topic. A lot of people have questions about indulgences, a lot of confusion, a lot of, a lot of misunderstanding. Um, so we're going to continue talking about indulgences with Billy in Church for Dummies. That's in about 15 minutes.
And then in our second half hour, um, I, I'm curious to know what you have been reading during this time. Um, when was the last time that you read a good Catholic novel? Uh, I don't mean a Catholic book. I mean like like a novel, a good story that can be classified as as Catholic. Um, we've spoken about uh, and featured several of these novels on our show over the years. Uh, but recently I came across a new series, um, and I'm sorry that I didn't hear about it before. Uh, you've probably heard of the Father Brown mysteries, right? Well, have you heard of Father Gabriel? Um, there are three in the series by British author Fiorella de Maria, um, the Father Gabriel mysteries. And the latest installment is a wonderful little murder mystery uh, titled See No Evil. And so we're going to be speaking with uh, author Fiorella de Maria in our second half hour and uh, you definitely don't want to miss that conversation. And then at the end of the program, we're going to be reconnecting with an old friend, singer-songwriter Greg Walton. Greg was on the Salt and Light Hour in November 2010. And uh, that's a long time. So he, he has a lot to, to share. A lot has happened since. Uh, namely, that he has a new album. And I am so happy because it's a good excuse to have him back on the show. So we're going to be speaking with Greg Walton at the end of the program. Um, if you're not going to be around, be sure to go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio to listen to the whole show. You can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. So let's uh, get going. Sit back, relax, enjoy the program, and uh, let's start with the song. Here's Greg Walton with Holy Spirit Come from his new album, Eyes on the Cross. Come, Holy Spirit, come. of your faithful ones and kindle in us the fire of love come Holy Spirit come come Holy Spirit come let your breath be the air we Strengthen us to serve, strengthen us to serve, 
will trust in you. We will trust in you. Let us rest in your company. You will see us through. You will see us through and draw. That was Greg Walton with Holy Spirit Come from his new album, Eyes on the Cross. And we're going to be speaking with Greg Walton at the end of the program. And in about five minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, Noel is joining me now today with our news. Noel, good to have you back on the program. Hey, it's great to be back, Pedro. Thanks for having me again. So there's quite, uh, quite a few news that don't have to do with uh, virus? <laughs> well, there's some interesting stories, definitely, the past couple of weeks. Some do, some don't. But uh, yeah. so I have some here that you, should, uh, that you should know. Yep. Okay, so you know what? Let's begin with a surprise trip that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI took recently to his homeland of Germany last week. Mm-hmm. The Pope Emeritus flew to Bavaria on June 18th to visit and spend time with his 96-year-old brother, Monsignor Georg Ratzinger, who apparently, apparently is in poor health. Right. But at the time that he flew out, it wasn't known when he would return, but the retired Pope flew back on Monday, the 22nd, and is now back in Rome. Hmm. Now, a statement released by the Regensburg Diocese said that this is perhaps the last time that the two brothers will see each other in this world. Mm-hmm. And the last time Pope Benedict visited his home was in 2006 during a pastoral visit to Germany. Right. Okay, let's move on. Oh, wow. Here's yeah. an interesting one. Here's uh-huh. an interesting one. The Pope declared last Friday that an Italian religious sister killed by three teenage girls in a satanic sacrifice, a martyr for the Catholic faith. Y- sister y- oh. Maria Laura. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I heard about that, but I... Yeah, give me more details. This is fascinating. Okay. Yeah, it is fascinating. Sister Maria Laura Manetti was stabbed to death in 2000 by three teenage girls who, as it turns out, knew the sister because she had taught them catechism. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, as a result, as the assault rather was happening, it was reported that Sister Manetti prayed, at, prayed to God asking to forgive the girls for their actions. And all the killers have since been caught and served time for the murder. Mm -hmm. Now, in addition to that, the Pope also advanced on the same day the causes for four other men and women towards the path of sainthood. But for more details for that, you can find that on vaticannews.va. Yes, good, good. I might even put some of those links on our site as well. Um, Okay. Yeah, always good news uh, when there's uh, causes of canonizations, beatifications moving forward. Oh, yes, absolutely. Especially in a time like uh, we've just been through. It's always good news. Yes, exactly. Okay, now I'm going to take you to Canada here. Some more good news. 
um, here, uh, the canceled ordinations of deacons and priests because of the COVID pandemic is back on and now scheduled to take place throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the easing of the COVID-19 restrictions across Canada is now allowing bishops to reschedule ordinations, of course, with some physical distancing policies in place. Now, here in Toronto, eight men will be ordained to the priesthood on June 27th, which is really really a nice surprise considering it was expected to be delayed until sometime August or September. Or October, actually, I had heard. But yeah, this is, this is amazing. One of my friends, so, Deacon Josh Lobo, is, is going to be ordained. So <laughs> That's amazing. So he yeah. must be really pleased. Yeah, I think so. Or scared. <laughs> or scared. <laughs> now, here's the thing, though. Each diocese is different. So for more information on the ordinations that are taking place, in your archdiocese or diocese, you need to really check out their website because they're kind of mm-hmm. spread out throughout different dates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. now, cool. lastly, lastly yep. here, the Quebec government, is, which is notoriously known to be anti-clerical, uh, is pledging close to $5.2 million to religious communities so that they can offer bonuses to members of their staff who are working in their infirmaries. Wow, that's good. Wow, exactly. That was uh, honestly a big surprise to me. It is. I now, guess under- they recognize. Yeah, sorry. I guess they recognize that the religious communities are doing a huge amount of the healthcare work and and well, exactly. Seniors. Yeah. Well, exactly. Now, under this new arrangement, staff who work at the religious communities infirmaries will receive a bonus of four dollars an hour per each hour rather worked in the mm-hmm. past couple of months, and other medical staff will receive an an eight percent raise per hour worked. Mm. Yeah, now since the beginning of the health crisis here in the country, religious congregations in Quebec have complained that they have been forgotten by the government as they take care of the retired in their convents and houses, which, Mm -hmm. incidentally, which I didn't know, which were not recognized as residences for the elderly. Interesting. So it really wasn't fair in that particular case. No. So now the government is is coming up to... uh, Make make things equal in other in uh, with other yeah. rest retirement homes. Yeah. That's good. That's good news. I'm I'm uh, I'm now wondering what it's like in other provinces or other uh, places where. Anyway, that's a question for uh, another time, Noel. For thank another you. day. Thank you. This has well, been interest interesting and uh, good news with Noel Oko today. <laughs> Thanks so much, Pedro. All right. Stay well and uh, and uh, talk to you soon. You too, my friend. Bye bye. Noel Okol is a producer here at Salt and Light Media. You can follow him at Noel Okol. Coming up is Sister Marie Paul Curley with a film suggestion and then Billy Chan with another question about indulgences. So don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Dan Ferrari and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. My name is Deacon Pedro. You remember to write to me to tell me your COVID experiences so we can feature your stories on the program. Pedro at saltandlighttv.org. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, it's good to have you back on the program. It's good to be here, Deacon Pedro. Thanks for having me. Yes. In light of recent events, uh, the death of George Floyd, uh, and and the wide availability here in the U.S. of uh, mm-hmm. movies about racism, I thought maybe we could feature one of the best ones that I've seen okay. uh, for a Windows to the Soul pick. Uh, it's called Just Mercy. It's okay. a very powerful biopic. It's adapted from the memoir of Brian Stevenson, who is a lawyer and a social justice activist. Mm-hmm. And he's involved in the making of the film, so uh, it's mm-hmm. quite genuine in its portrayal of his work. Uh, and it focuses, he does many things, but it focuses on 
his efforts, especially at the beginning, to provide quality legal representation to uh, Walter McMillan and other death row inmates. Okay. So it speaks very powerfully um, to the cause of racism and the recent protests in a way that that really illustrates both the need and the power to recognize the equal human dignity of every person. It's mm-hmm. it's done it's done really well. It's it, it's still available for those who are listening here in the U.S. It's still available free until the end of June, so you can uh, rent it quote rent it okay. for free um, yeah. along with some other excellent films. Uh, Just Mercy is. Artistically, it's gripping. It's well-written. It's very powerfully acted. I believe Jamie Foxx, who plays Mm -hmm. the role of the prisoner on death row, uh, Walter McMillan, also known as Johnny D. uh, He received a couple of awards for his acting. But Michael B. Jordan plays uh, the lawyer, uh, uh, Brian Stevenson, and he he does a great job. He's powerful, but also understated. So the story centers around his efforts to uh, to free prisoners from death row, to defend them in the legal system. And it so the film explores racism in depth, but it also gives us a window into the experience of prisoners on death row uh, who are in some cases innocent and in many cases not deserving of any kind of a harsh sentence. Hmm. The, the film clearly shows the inhumanity of the death sentence and the lack of justice in the U.S.'s criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of the accessibility, the film is done in a way that it's pretty accessible to a general audience. Um, I found the the resilience of the Black prisoners and the Black community incredibly inspiring, as well as Stevenson's efforts. Uh, he's clearly fighting for justice, but he does it in a way that while claiming justice, it also respects the dignity of each person that he's encountering. And at, at several points, there's several moments of an in, a person-to-person encounter between two people who are very different and the transformation or the change that starts, the sh- subtle shift that starts to happen. Like for example, between a guard and one of the prisoners uh, who the guard starts to realize, hey, this guy might actually be innocent even though he's on death row. Mm-hmm. Um, but despite these moments of grace, it's not an easy film to watch. Uh, it, it does have a portrayal of the death sentence being carried out, which is horrific. Um, but the violence for the most part uh, other other things are off screen, so it's it's filled with seeds of the gospel. It has um, matter of fact, the main character at the end does a wonderful you know kind of what I learned from fighting for this this particular case and what I learned from this particular innocent mm-hmm. man who was imprisoned and put on death row. And um, I was like, hey, the U.S. bishops could have said some of this stuff. Like it's really Catholic social teaching here. Okay. Um, so I, I would say uh, he talks a lot about justice, but also about hope and how hope gives us the uh, ability or the resilience to keep fighting for justice. Uh, and, and he talks about mercy and redemption and grace, unmerited grace. Um, so uh, of the mix of films that I've recently seen about racism, I think this is a great discussion film for families, for mm-hmm. children who are mature. Um, it's most lit up with the hope that the gospel gives us. So right. it's an interesting, uh, it's a good, it's a good, good pick. 
uh, if yeah. you want to pick one film, I think this was is a deserving one. Okay, so Just Mercy. I had not heard about it until you mentioned it to me. So thank you for telling us uh, about it today. And uh, have a good rest of the summer. Thank you. You too. And you and the listeners are always in my prayers. Thank you. We'll see you uh, or talk to you. Maybe we'll see you in the fall. Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. And you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. And you can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Coming up, more questions about indulgences in Church for Dummies, so stay tuned. Hey, I'm Dana Catherine, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour is available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the Salt and Light Hour and take the show with you wherever you go. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies! With Billy Chan. Once again, Billy joining me on video chat... Yes, yes, I can see you. You know, it's a yes. good time to to see leaving thing now, nowadays, right? <laughs> yes, yes, at least uh, you can see me from the neck up anyway. Um, so you have more, more confusion, more confusion about indulgences? Yes, because I find that it's super important, you know, because while we still have time on earth and we can do something for the future, and this is yeah. our ultimate goal as well, right? We yes, want to get to heaven. To, to get heaven we want to love god as much as possible yeah so uh last time you give us you gave us a, a very general uh, uh answer about um, how can we get indulgence like uh right. we need to 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 go to to go to confession first yes to have no sin before having indulgence things yes. like that but yes after that let's go deep yeah okay a little bit yeah, I, no, and I'm, and I'm glad you're asking. And the reason maybe why I kind of steered away from giving you all the all the detail <laughs> is because I think that some people fall into what we call scrupulosity. So they, they think that they're such horrible sinners and then they spend all their day just going around from church to church, praying the uh. rosary, trying to get indulgences. So so I'd like to encourage people that that, that, that that's not what it's about all it might seem like we're doing things to pay for something to get something, but it doesn't really work that way. Your heart needs to be in the right place. So the general criteria for getting an indulgence, as Billy mentioned, and we, and we talked about it last at the last, uh, last week that you have to be baptized. You have, you know, you have to be Catholic. You have to have gone to confession. So you have to be free of mortal sin. Um, and then you have to do the required work. So it's the required work that Billy's asking about right now. Exactly. Right? So last week we also thought, or two weeks ago, we talked about how there's two different kinds of indulgences. There's a partial indulgence, which gives yes. you, uh, which takes care of some of the temporal punishment. And then there's a plenary indulgence that takes care of the full. So completely. Uh, yeah, completely. So ways of obtaining uh, partial indulgence include praying with a with a blessed object so if you have a a, oh. a a crucifix maybe that has been blessed and you pray with it that that uh, can can be a, a, an act partially. to help you, you gain a partial mm -hmm. indulgence praying for christian unity praying any prayers to the blessed virgin mary like the angelus the salva regina the magnificat um invoking the help of your guardian angel mm. uh praying for your benefactors so people who've helped you um, even post-communion hymns after you go to communion and singing a hymn after communion of Thanksgiving. Oh. Yeah. Um, 
People sing the uh, song in the church. Praying, praying. I <laughs> know uh, they don't even know it, right? Praying to Saint yeah. Joseph. Praying to Saint Joseph is a good one. So again, you have to know that you're doing it with the intent to to get the indulgence. So that's that. Those are some of the ways that you can obtain a partial indulgence, and also ways of obtaining a plenary indulgence, which is a full indulgence. It 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 remits the fullness of of uh-huh. the of the temporal uh, punishment. Uh, praying the rosary in a church or. Uh, in an oratory or in a family gathering or within a religious community, um, spending at least half an hour in adoration, praying the stations of the cross in a church, for example, or at a shrine, um, praying in a, in a mission at a parish, like during an Advent mission or a Lenten mission, um, reading the Bible for at least 30 minutes, uh, visiting wow, a site. Wow, so of, specific. Yeah, it is. It is specific. So visiting a pilgrimage is probably the one that most people hear because because they'll say, you know, during the year of mercy, for example, if you visit a holy door, you can yeah. you, you can get a, a, a plenary indulgence. Um, so so again, I, I mentioned a document last week, the Endicurion of indulgences, and that lists all, all the little details. Now, the other thing you have to remember, Billy, is that you can't just kind of do this, spend all day doing it. You can mm-hmm. gain, you can obtain one plenary indulgence once a day. Oh, I cannot do it every hour. No, you can't <laughs> do it every hour. So um, it's the same thing. If you read the Bible for 30 minutes or two hours, it's the same thing. It's for, the same for, thing. Yeah. And again, you have to be doing the act with the intent of gaining the indulgence. You have to have the intention of receiving the indulgence. You have to have gone to confession within 20 days before or after. And you have to receive communion within 20 days before or after of doing the prescribed act for the indulgence. I think everyone listening to Church for Dummies these three weeks, I think all, <laughs> all, your, all your priests will be so busy right now, you know? <laughs> That's good. That's good. So just to, uh, so I have written, maybe this is a good excuse to, to direct Billy people to the website that you designed. So exactly. on the Salt and Light blog, <laughs> saltandlighttv.org slash blog, if you search for deconstructing indulgences, there's two or three articles that I've written on indulgences and all this information is there. You know, I opened uh, the whole list in front of me uh, mm-hmm. in the computer and this uh, full list, there's a lot of things we can do basically to, to obtain it. Yes. Now, the, the, one of the most beautiful thing I think uh, for this kind of um, uh, asking for indulgences, you don't have to do it for yourself. You can also do it for the soul in the purgatory. Is it true? It is true. And I think that's a, one of the most beautiful things about indulgences that the the souls in purgatory cannot pray for themselves that's yeah that will be another question. and that's that's another question <laughs> I, I um so the souls in purgatory cannot pray for themselves we can pray for them and yeah and so so you can you can offer that indulgence for anyone alive or in purgatory or for yourself that's and amazing that's because i you know what uh, i think uh, because i've seen too much i think everyone does too so mm-hmm. <laughs> so i think uh, uh doing it for the soul in purgatory is a lot more effective i would say a lot more meaningful more important meaningful. exactly yes. Yes. and it's a beautiful expression of the community of saints that we can pray for each other even after death absolutely that's great so you know what i will i will know what my question for next time but i will keep it for next time okay good so next time maybe we'll continue talking about indulgences <laughs> yeah. billy chan billy chan the webmaster at saltonlighttv.org you can follow him at Joe chan coming up in our second half hour catholic murder mysteries and we reconnect with singer-songwriter greg walton so stay tuned Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Most of us have heard of Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot, 
I think that even Father Brown falls into the category of murder mystery detectives. And now there's a new hero to join their ranks. It is Father Gabriel from the imagination of author Fiorella de Maria. And to tell us more, we are now joined by Fiorella de Maria from her home in England. Fiorella, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, it's lovely to be on the show. So you've written a lot of books, you've a lot of novels. Um, why did you want to write a, a novel about a murder, a murder-solving priest? Um, well, crime fiction is my dirty little secret. I've always been obsessed with detective fiction. I read my yeah. first Sherlock Holmes when I was seven. Without realizing it was the most frightening Sherlock Holmes mystery he ever wrote. And I scared myself half to death um, reading about snakes <laughs> slithering down bell pools and things. Um, but I was hooked. I've always been fascinated by the whole puzzle and the, the human drama of, of crime fiction. So right. I've read them all, you know, Conan Doyle, Agatha Christie, Dorothy L. Sayers. Um, so really me writing a detective story was an accident waiting to happen, I suspect. Right. But why a priest? Well, um, there are, of course, other priest detectives. You mentioned Father Brown and mm -hmm. Father Dowling. And other. Um, I yeah. like the idea of the, the priest sleuth because he's seeking the truth, but he's also fundamentally concerned with the soul of the, the person involved. You know, he truth, appreciates yep. the significance of what's happened. And... With Father Gabriel, I really wanted to bring that out. So mm -hmm. he worries mm -hmm. about the fate of the person that they're going to go to their maker with the terrible crime on their conscience. You know, it's not just a question of him getting the puzzle together, but it's also about that broader sense of, of wanting to bring light to the people around him. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously being a priest, he has all that extra pastoral experience he has that sense of perception he can tell if someone's lying to him you know yeah, there's yeah. something about the way he connects with people that's just a bit different i hope that you're not saying that all priests know when we're lying to them <laughs> <laughs> well How I, did... I guess i guess if you hear confessions you know you must yes, get to the point yeah, where you, you, you no. fine-tune that that extra instinct um so, so uh, how did you develop his character? Like, how did you come up specifically? Because, you know, he's, there's some quirks about him. There's a history of him uh, without giving us too much information because we want people to go and get the books. But tell us a little bit about how you came up with the character of Father Gabriel. Well, he's supposed to be mildly autistic. But of okay. course, at the time, at the time, it would not have been recognized. He would have just come across as rather eccentric. Um, okay. He is based, um, in my, my son is autistic, and I, I've mm -hmm. spent a lot of time sort of studying that, that particular way of thinking. And that explains why he gets very obsessive about things. You know, when he's on a trail, he just can't stop. That's actually why he's disobedient. He's not uh, a naturally disobedient person. But when he gets obsessed with an idea, everything else just falls away. He just, mm -hmm. he can't hear anybody saying stop. Um, and that also explains why sometimes he's um, rather socially inept. He has some embarrassing, you know, moments where things come out of his mouth you know and he, he regrets yeah, yeah. it afterwards um which is quite um endearing i'm sorry i'll just switch that off um so so there's, there's that endearing side to him as well mm -hmm. um and that was sort of the, the germ of the idea of the character right um and i wanted him to be a late vocation because i wanted him to have that history that complexity 
And also because I set it just after the war, a lot of the characters in the books are people who are struggling with their past. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mm-hmm. people who have lost loved ones, who have seen terrible atrocities, mm-hmm. who are struggling to get used to civilian life. So he fits very comfortably within that chaos, if you like. Yeah, no, and it's always good to have complex characters. Um, so again, without giving too, too much, can you give us, you know, the two or three sentence plot summary? What's the story in the third? So this is the third installment of the Father Gabriel mystery, See No Evil. Yes, it's um, the classic country house scenario. Father Gabriel is sent rather reluctantly to a dinner party. It's just after Christmas. And in the morning, one of the more disagreeable guests is dead. And everyone has a reason to wish he was dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's the classic classic mystery. Um, and And... Is there a reason why it's important for Father Gabriel to solve the mystery himself and not just let the police solve it? Well, he does, in fact, in this book, get the police involved. Mm-hmm. In the earlier books, he has a rather uh, um, unpleasant standoff with the, the inspector, which always happens with, dete- with amateur detectives. Yes. I mean, yes. because, you know, the police don't want the amateurs in the way and um also there was a lot of suspicion of the police in in britain at the time because they failed to solve the jack the ripper case okay they say that is why policemen are always portrayed as a bit stupid and you know know, lestrade and inspector jap in in poirot they're always one step behind and they say that's why it's the public loss of confidence um, okay. Yeah. So, which, which is interesting, but it's, uh, it explains a little bit of the standoff there is between. It, yeah, it does. Um, you know, but in the third book, he does cooperate more with the inspector, mm-hmm. but he has an entree into the lives of the people in the house that the inspector does not have because he was mm-hmm. not a guest. He was not there. Mm-hmm. So Father Gabriel is able to, to get one step ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Would you classify this novel and I, I mean, it's not really a, a genre, but would you say it's a Catholic novel? Just the fact that it's a priest as the protagonist? Well, of course, not all novels which have priests and nuns in them are what I would describe as Catholic novels. However, I think in my books, certainly in this, this series, it does delve into issues that I think would be of interest to Catholic readers. It looks mm-hmm. at what we mean by the truth. It looks at collusion with evil. That's a very big theme of see no evil, what it means mm-hmm. to be a link in a chain of evil. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those themes would be of interest to Catholics, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting to me anyway, at least when I read it. Um, uh, are you uh, hoping to write more uh, uh, yes, stories I- with Father Gabriel? I am about halfway through number four at oh, the moment. Cool. I've, I have been rather stalled by lockdown because I've been mm. homeschooling four children for three months. Um, yeah, which, which has given me yeah, some... Yeah, that keeps you busy. Yeah, it's given me, cramped my style a bit. Um, but I hope to get that one finished over the summer. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Looking forward to it. Now, I, I have to admit, I've, I read this one. I haven't read the other two, so I still have to get them. Um, but I'm going to encourage all, all our listeners to maybe start at the beginning with Father Gabriel and, and read as the story evolves, because the story does you know, a little bit, his, his story uh, evolves as you read the, the, the books. And then I'll be ready for number four. 
Right. So thank you, Fiorella, uh, for telling us a little bit, a little bit about Father Gabriel and why you wrote it and a little bit about what you do. Lovely. Thank you. Nice to talk. You're very welcome. Fiorella de Maria. She was born in Italy of Maltese parents, uh, but she grew up in England where she still lives. And she's the author of many novels. The latest in the Father Gabriel Mysteries is called See No Evil, and it's published by Ignatius. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Greg Walton, with With Our Eyes on the Cross from his album Eyes on the Cross. Oh, the riches of this life Oh, the ways we have been blessed Oh, the poverty we own In the things that we possess You ask us to lay down All the treasure we have stored for the treasure of your kingdom and a narrow road With our eyes on the cross Eyes on the cross With our eyes on the cross We will see With our eyes on the cross Eyes on the cross The Son of Righteousness has no place to lay His head, and all the world's a feast, but He draws us to a table where the greatest and the least come as equal.
That was Greg Walton with with Our Eyes on the Cross from his new album, Eyes on the Cross. Now, almost about 20 years ago, I was lucky enough to travel to Arkansas to be part of John Michael Talbot's 25th anniversary. And it was a great gathering of Catholic artists from all over. And it was also kind of a, a little bit of a retreat. So we had to share rooms. And my roommate was this young man a lay member of John Michael, uh, John Michael's Brothers and Sisters of Charity, um, also a very talented singer and songwriter, uh, Greg Walton. Um, and then about 10 years ago, we had Greg Walton on the program, The Sultanite Hour. Um, and a lot of has happened since then. I'm kind of a little ashamed that we sort of lost touch. Uh, but Greg has a new album, Eyes on the Cross, that we've been listening to. And so I'm very happy about that because it's a good excuse to have... To have him on the show, Greg. Uh, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. It's good to see you. I am so happy to <laughs> to be here, Pedro. Thank you. And yeah, it's it's so cool. I think um, this history that you and I share of having crossed paths. And um, I have to tell it, you, there's not a lot of people that I've shared a hotel room with. <laughs> really? Okay. So there you go. There so you this, go. That's a this unique is special. There's special. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah and and world youth time. day toronto um yes, as well right. yeah yeah right. yeah and we've sort yeah. of touched bases you know touching different different points in time but but yeah i think it's been about 10 years that we haven't actually seen each other right um right um you uh, I mean, at the expense, I kind of want to say like, so what has been happening in the last 10 years? But but I'm, I actually want to go back because when you know someone for so long, you kind of, there's some basic questions that you never ask. And I don't think I, I know how Greg Walton ever even ended up doing Catholic music. Like how, how did you end up doing, you know, being a worship leader? Yeah. Um, well, I had an encounter with, the Lord um, at an early age, mm -hmm. um, uh, 13, and wow. uh, is really where I started taking a deep dive into my faith. And and part of the catalyst was um, my sister, and she had mm -hmm. um, gotten deeply involved in a cult and, uh, and into um, substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And had a reversion to her Christian faith, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so that had an impact on me and an influence on me. Um, just seeing, I guess, how God was working in her life and made me aware of of more aware of something bigger than myself, and I started wow. seeking after it. Um, and I I knew that I wanted to have some sort of active role in evangelization in some way. I just had a desire for it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a cradle Catholic, so I didn't know that there was like Christian rock out there. Right. And when I was about 15, I just started writing contemporary songs as a way for me to share my faith with my peers. Right. And, uh, and it was funny because all of a sudden, they, some of my friends who were more well more aware of Christian music started giving me tapes, you know, of Larry Norman and Undercover and 441 and the 77s. These were kind of the underground 
you know, rock and roll Christians, you know, from both first generation, we talk of Christian music in terms of generations, the first generation and then kind of the next generation that was in the 80s. Yeah. And uh, as I was really bummed out because I thought I was starting something new, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, well, this would be great. Nobody's doing this. So this will be unique. And actually, it turned out there was a thing. Um, yeah, but, yeah. and then shortly after that, I, I had a, a, another mystical experience where God said, I want you to do this. Hmm. So I knew this was a venture God wanted me to go into. Wow. Yeah. So that was, that yeah. was a long, long time ago. You were very young. Yeah. Did, did you, once you started songwriting as a teenager, or I guess once you started actively writing songs uh, that were either worship songs or, or faith-based songs, uh, is that something that you continue doing? Do you, like, are you, do you find that you're constantly writing? Um, how does that, I, how is that process for you? Yeah. So I, I'm not like a, a prolific writer. I, I have to actually sit down and, and make a discipline of it. You know, I, when I was in my younger years, they would hit me spontaneously and, and quite often. And I think it was because I was really growing in my faith and there was a lot of discovery and a lot of celebration mm-hmm. kind of happening, you know, um, and I find now, you know, now that I'm middle age, I just mm-hmm. turned 50, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, um, I have to work a little harder to get yeah. the muse, you know? Yeah. So, going. so then yeah. uh, uh, eyes on the cross is, did you sit down? It's like, I'm going to write something that specifically, I guess, uh, for Holy Week or Lent or how did that come about? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked. And you brought up, you know, being uh, a member of John Michael Talbot's community, you yeah. know, the Brothers and Sisters mm-hmm. of Charity. So the rule, our rule of life, uh, and the Brothers and Sisters of Charity is a association of the faithful mm-hmm. founded by John Michael Talbot in 1979. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, they got their canonical status, you know, on the f- official roster of um, faith communities in Rome in 1994. And they opened up what's called a domestic expression. So there's a monastic community. Yeah. And then there's those of us who live the spirituality, which is Franciscan spirituality. And we integrate the Benedictine rule. Right. But our, we have a motto or a central rule, which is um, the rule of the brothers and sisters of charity is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, may we be concerned about nothing but this all-encompassing rule all that matters is that one be created anew. And having made my permanent profession with the community, I really wanted to write something around that idea. And that also embraced, I think, the, the spirituality of the community too, which is simplicity of life. And to live simply so that others may simply live. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I come to understand the cross from the Franciscan perspective, it's, it's not just the sacrifice on the cross, but the journey and the activism of Jesus that got him there, you know, as well, mm. of, of speaking to those on the margins um, to the degree that the establishment said he had to go. Mm-hmm. We, we got to get rid of him. He's making us look bad, you know, or he's challenging us in a way that threatens our stability yeah, our status yeah. our status 
And so I, um, I came to Sarah Hart kind of with that idea. Yeah. And, and she is a, a master songwriter and um, said, hey, w- would you help me with this tune and, uh, and to piece this together? So uh, we worked on it together back in 2016, I think it was. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, wonderful. That's good to know, actually. Yeah, you're right, right Sarah. She's a good friend and, and a very talented songwriter. Um, yeah. There's so many questions I have for you, and we don't have a lot of time, but I, I was on your website, and I saw a little banner that said Jesus Glue. And I wanted to ask you about that, but I, but I know that you're also doing other things in terms of the new evangelization, hosting a, a radio podcast with, with John Angotti. So right. if you can tell us a little bit, a little, you know, throw in the little Jesus Glue and then tell me about about the Living Real Radio broadcast. Yeah, so Jesus School Ministries is uh, the nonprofit foundation for my itinerant ministry. And okay. the um, objective, I like to take the secular and the sacred as a way to evangelize. Um, I have a little bit of the Ignatian spirituality too of, of finding God in all things. And I love to give people a glimpse of that. So I love to break open popular media, you know, uh, as well as, as, you know, our, our tradition. Um, so Jesus School Ministries is the umbrella for that. But I think the common core of it revolves around the truth that God is love, you know, and that the love that Jesus calls us to loving God, loving neighbor is the healing force. It's about relationship. Mm-hmm. And the motto I use for Jesus Glue is sweet communion. So it has two meanings, building community in the body of Christ through, through love, through justice, um, and also, of course, providing music for the source and summit of our worship, uh, which is the Eucharist as well. So those are, that's the twofold purpose of, of, of the ministry. Of the ministry. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess the, the radio show that you're doing is part of the ministry? Well, no, the radio show, actually, I'm the electronic evangelization coordinator for St. Philip Catholic Church okay, in Franklin. So, okay. And that is one of our ministries. Oh, interesting. So, as a parish ministry. As a parish ministry. Wonderful. So it's interesting because my, I look at my purpose or focus being in using media for evangelization. Mm-hmm. In the 80s and 90s, the only platform really was radio, yep. you know, and, and writing Christian contemporary music, something in the popular vernacular that would speak to people. Mm-hmm. And today it's so much more. It's mm-hmm. social media and, and the web and like a ton. And, and so, uh, um, so I do that for St. Philip. And we had a, a radio program opportunity brought to us by Hippie Radio, the classic rock station. Okay. It's owned by one of the Catholic families in our parish. And they said, we'd like to, to do a program on Sunday mornings, you know. And they asked, um, they came to John because they knew him, John and Gotti, because they yeah. know him really well. He'd done ministry with them before. Mm-hmm. And John's like, well, dude, you're the electronic evangelization coordinator, so you need to get in on this. That's great. Yeah. And so we interview, most of the time it's Catholic artists, but it's people of from all different dimensions sharing their faith. Um, we've wonderful. even had an atheist on the show. I love it, and it, but it's not a yeah. Catholic station. It's just a regular. It's a regular secular station. station. That's wonderful. What yeah. I wish I wish more people, more stations were were taking that uh, 
that risk it's not a really a risk but you know giving us those opportunities to evangelize uh soft evangelization yeah um, that's wonderful so that's uh i guess you said hippie radio if, yeah it's, if, if people are in in the nashville area they can yeah hippie radio 94.5 nashville um so we we go at 8 a.m on sundays um and you can catch the stream uh of that and then we okay. release it as a podcast but we play a lot of secular tunes so i have to cut those out of the oh, podcast, yeah. you know, right. so um, so you'll notice those will fade out. So if you want the full glory of the show, you gotta tune into the live That's broadcast. Right. So just look. I'm yeah. sure Hippie Radio they can stream it online. Yeah, um, Greg, we're gonna put it. Have to end it there just because of of time constraints. But it's yeah. so good to to see you, to talk to you, to reconnect, and I love the music. Uh, so I hope that there's another album in the works because uh, it's good stuff. Well, I have some singles coming out, some actually okay, some good. mainstream stuff, and I'm always working. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. Yes. Yeah. Well, good. Okay. We'll we'll see if we can uh, have another excuse to get together. That'd be fantastic. Thank you. All Pedro. right. Yeah. Thank you, Greg Walton. You can learn all about him and purchase his music at his website, gregwalton.com. And to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, you can go to saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Greg Walton with Giving It All Away from his album, Eyes on the Cross. Jesus went down on bended knee And with humility Washed his disciples' feet Just like the teacher, so must we Not one of us is greater Than God the demonstrator Serving all needs Till every face is smiling Joyful and free Cause we know the key is love by giving it all, giving it all away, oh, love by giving it all, giving it all away. Jesus said, make your joy complete. Love is I love you, that's all you have to do. We have no greater love than this. Because we love a friend serving all needs Till every face is smiling joyful and free Cause we know the key is love by giving it all Giving it all away, oh love by giving it all the poor in spirit blessed the meek bless those who mourn and those who seek peace we're listening to greg walton with giving it all away from his album eyes on the cross and that will take us to the end of the program remember that if you tuned in late you can stream or podcast all our salt and hour programs for free at saltonlighttv.org just look for podcasts you can also listen to the salt and light hour podcast anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, you can follow us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, look for uh, Salt and Light TV. Um, and while you're there, you can also look for me, Deacon Pedro, and send me a nice message. And remember to send me your experiences during the COVID spring. We want to dedicate a whole program to your story. So email me, pedro at saltandlighttv.org. Next week is going to be our last episode for the season. We'll be meeting singer-songwriter Anna Nutso and learning all about the beatification of Father Michael McGivney. So be sure to tune in. 
I hope that you're all keeping well and staying safe. Let's keep each other in our prayers. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.